بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير امين يا رب العالمين ريسبكتد Elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear students and dear listeners online, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our coming here and taking time out on a weeknight to spend in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to connect with the Quran. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows our sitting here to become a means of rejuvenating our iman and strengthening our relationship with the Quran. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make this gathering here heavy in our scales. And we also take a moment to, uh, to ask Allah Azza wa Jal that Ya Allah, through the, through the barakah of those who are present here and through the barakah of this gathering of ilm and dhikr, allow me to hear that which would be most beneficial and most necessary for me in my life. And inshallah, whatever issues you and I have come with to the masjid, we should present those in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any and all types of situations that all of us are going through. And inshallah, the Quran, we have this aqidah and belief has solutions to all of our issues. So when we sit with sincerity in front of any type of dars of Qur'an, inshallah, we'll see that ours, we will start getting answers to the issues that we are going through. May I request, inshallah, those who are in the back to come forward. Please sit as close as possible. And sisters as well, if you can please sit close together. Uh, the more talab and uh, desire we show Allah, the better it is for ourselves. So I ask everyone, inshallah, to please come close. And let's not sit... Um, if possible, away from the crowd. When we have spaces in between, this allows shaitan to come in. Just like Nabi Ali would every single salah would make sure the rows were straight and that the, heart, the feet were next to each other, shoulders are next to each other. Similarly, uh, we should try our best in any gathering of deen that we go, whichever masjid you're attending, try your best always to sit as close as possible and do not allow shaitan to come in and put uh, things in our hearts. <clears throat> this is the second to last um, session that we're doing, inshallah, of Surah Anbiya, alhamdulillah. You know, time is flying. And um, this is the uh, last week we ended this discussion of Ya'juj Majuj and what that fitna was about. That was the last thing we talked about. And possibly uh, the connection with Ya'juj Majuj and, um, and the next ayah here is that this is going to happen closer to the Day of Judgment. Right? That's one opinion. Remember, we talked about many opinions. One opinion is that it's already, they're already out. It already has taken place. And what you're seeing the fitna today is the fitna of Yajuj Majuj. And others have said that it may happen you know, later on. Either way, even now, we're closer to the Day of Judgment than, than we were before. So this is the connection between Ayah 96 and Ayah 97. 96 speaking about the khuruj of Yajuj Majuj and 97 speaking about the Day of Judgment being close. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واقترب الوعد الحق فإذا هي شاخصة أبصار الذين كفروا يا ويلنا قد كنا في غفلة من هذا بل كنا ظالمين إنكم وما تعبدون من دون الله حصاب جهنم 
أنتم لها واردون لو كان هؤلاء آلهة ما وردوها وكل فيها خالدون لهم فيها زفير وهم فيها لا يسمعون إن الذين سبقت لهم من الحسنى أولئك عنها مبعدون لا يسمعون حسيسها وهم فيما اشتهت أنفسهم خالدون لا يحزنهم الفزع الأكبر وتتلقاهم الملائكة هذا يومكم الذي كنتم توعدون يوم نطوي السماء كطي السجل للكتب كما بدأنا أول خلق نعيده وعدا علينا إنا كنا فاعنين ولقد كتبنا في الزبور من بعد الذكر أن الأرض يرثها عبادي الصالحون إن في هذا لبلاغا لقوم عابدين صدق الله العظيم Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that the true promise of the day of judgment has drawn very near Al-Wa'ad, the promise, Al-Haq, the true Iqtaraba has drawn very near How near? If you remember the first surah, first ayah of this very surah that we are studying, Surah Al-Anbiya The first ayah was what? Iqtaraba nasi hisabuhum Indeed the day of reckoning for the people has, come, has drawn near وَهُمْ فِي غَفْلَةٍ مُعْرِضُونَ Yet they are turning their backs, turning their faces away فِي غَفْلَةٍ In heedlessness This is the situation of mankind It was before, it is now, definitely The people are absolutely heedless Not focusing on what they need to focus Here as well The true promise of the day of judgment has drawn so very near Another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Azifatil azifah Azifatil azifah The thing that is cl- drawing the, the thing that is close Is drawing closer That's one of the signs that, That's one of the 24 names of the day of judgment It's al-azifah That which comes close What a powerful verse Azifatil azifah That which is coming closer That which is close Is coming even closer Every single day Every single night, every single moment, every single second, we're all rushing towards our akhirah. What will happen on that day? فَإِذَا هِيَ Then shall it be that the eyes of the disbelievers shall bulge out. شَاخِصَ Interesting is, this, um, the word شَاخِصَ is speaking about when a person is shocked and a person is looking up, you know, just in, in awestruck, looking at the sky. Has no idea Like what's going on Dazed um, And the beautiful thing About the Arabic language Is mashallah There are so many words For every single thing So when it comes to When it comes to seeing Allah Jalla Jalaluhu Has mentioned I'm sorry Here the word Shakhasa Alright It's to look up With fear And there are many Examples of different words For example There is Ra'a There's Nadara There's Haddaja There is Absara There is Hamlaqa Istashrafa Istashaffa Laha Lamaha Approximately 50 different words For simply looking Right 50 different words And each one has Obviously a different connotation And different meaning 
50 different words for the, for the concept of uh, simply looking. If I just, I just pick up nadara in the, syn- in the muradifat, right? Just the synonyms. Look here. Adam and nadara, absara, ajalla, akharra, arja, basara, basura, ta'amula, tarawa, tatalla, tawassama, haddaqa, harasa, hafidha, ra'a, ra'a, ramaqa, rana, shafa, shahada, shafa, shahada, shahida, sana, sawaba, ayana, kafaza, lahada, lahada, lamaha, nadara, hamama, wathaba, basura, ra'a, khazara. These are not even all of them. So this is, uh, you know, there's books called like, uh, you know, uh, like Fiqh al of Alabi, which are beautiful books in which they give you the specific uh, application of each word. So decide, you know, w- whether it's this, or whether it's different portions of the night, or whether it's different types of, uh, you know, different stages of, 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 of snow, you know, ice, etc. You'll see there's such, so many detailed words, and each one has its own meaning. So shakhasa is when a person is looking with fear. Right? It's got fear in his eyes. Because there's that, that fear, that look when a person is about to get killed or a person is about to get arrested or a person is caught with something he shouldn't be. What happens is face, you can see very obvious signs of absolute fear. And then there is, for example, hadaja. Hadaja is to look with mahabba, with love. To look at someone with mahabba and love. That, that also has its own application and you see that some looks are filled with mahabba and love. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu reported that he said, Hadith al ma hadajuka bi absarihim. That speak to the people, speak to the people as long as they look at you with eyes of filled with muhabba and love. When, basically, when you're addressing people, when you're talking to people, when you're explaining things to people, you're teaching a lesson, giving a dars. He says, Hadith al qawma Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, Hadith al qawma speak to the people as long as they hadaja to look with. Love. And as long as their hearts are turned towards you. When their hearts get turned away from you, then do not continue to speak to them. Do not continue to address them. Because it will not be of benefit. He was asked, What is the sign of people not focused, not enjoying, not in tune with what, what is being told to them? When they start looking at one another. And you see them yawning. You see them yawning. Then don't continue to speak to them. SubhanAllah, this is from the earliest of companions. Abdullah Mas'ud anhu's statement regarding uh, teaching uh, what, what should be kept in mind when we're speaking and addressing to a crowd. And so that's why classroom management you know, this is a classroom right here. It's a very important part of our deen. Because we don't need to just continue speaking. You need to make sure you speak at the level of the people. And you need to be as engaging as possible. Nabi alayhi salatu salam has said, uh, Speak to the people at the level of their intellect. And to speak to the people at the level of their intellect. Sometimes a person may speak about things which are beyond the intellect of his audience. And that will happen, that will either the least harm is that they simply won't benefit. And they'll walk away saying, okay, that was nice, but I didn't understand anything. Could have maybe done something more beneficial. But the worst possible thing is that they, if they may not understand it or misunderstand it, and then they may add their own interpretations to it and misrepresent Islam, 
Or if it's, let's say, something that they cannot, their mind cannot comprehend, they may outright deny it. And if it's a fundamental part of our deen, they may end up denying a fundamental part of the deen. So he came to listen to tafsir, Allah forbid, he walks out as a kafir. Subhanallah. Think about that. Because why? He couldn't digest it. Like someone comes to you for food, a little baby says, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I need to eat something. And you give him something he doesn't digest, can't digest, can't chew on it. So he was hungry, that's a problem. But now he's choking to death. Which one's a bigger problem? Right? So that is why it's very important that we know when you're speaking. That's the issue when you have social media. What, one of the problems with social media is that it's taking concepts that are meant to be for a classroom, for a specific group of people and throwing it out into the field. Where people of all backgrounds, most who do not have the necessary background to be able to engage in that subject and talk, are reading things, which is way beyond their pay grade. Doesn't have, uh, they don't have the background to understand fully. And so what happens? They start making fun of it, or they start denying it, or they start uh, dis- being dismissive of it. So this is the problem with the way social media is being used, right? By people of knowledge at times too. And people have no knowledge because if you post these type of things, then you really don't have any knowledge. Because knowledge by itself is nothing without wisdom. If a person doesn't have wisdom, he doesn't have knowledge. What is what, knowledge without wisdom is absolutely useless. And this against wisdom to share things which are not, which which the crowd is not capable of appreciating, adjusting, benefiting from. So, so that is why, just a, something to keep in mind. Many times people get misled by randomly picking up things and reading. Um, we are absolutely, we, are, we have a dars here. We have a very academic dars on Monday nights, on dars of Sahih al-Bukhari, if anyone's interested. Right? And then you have a, a, a less academic one today, when you focus on different gems of the Qur'an, that you can more practical types. Then you have the tafim program, the tanweer program, the takmil program. There's so many different workshops, seminars, non-stop happening, alhamdulillah. So we are absolutely not against seeking knowledge. This, we are begging people to come and seek knowledge Here or elsewhere However, we tell people to seek knowledge In the order that it's supposed to be sought Before you learn your arithmetic You cannot jump into calculus It's going to be a waste of your time That's a, you know, and, and it's going to be detrimental at times well, my, Studying calculus without studying arithmetic Might be, not be as detrimental as studying Bukhari On your own Without having studied anything prior to that So we have people who say I want to read hadith Without a teacher Okay, that's great There's tens of books you can read without a teacher You pick up Riyadh al-Salihin There's three volumes over here Bring me that, Zayn right, this, this is a great, great book Every single one should have in our house Three volumes right? Uh, Muslims at Work Publications MashaAllah, this I think by far the best you can get Three volumes of Riyadh al-Salihin With beautiful translation and commentary After each hadith you don't need a teacher for this. This, is, this should be in everyone's home, these three volumes. And we should be reading it ourselves, with our family especially. Because Riyadh al-Salihin is a book that's been written for a, a compilation of hadith that's supposed to be a, um, a, a constant, what are you going to call, a manual for our life. A manual for our life. He goes through all the etiquettes from beginning to end. Right? All the etiquettes. So it, if, a person, if a person follows this through, inshallah ta'ala, he'll have a very amazing, successful life, be it married, or be it with parents, or children, whatever, everything will go well. You don't need it. So this is, no one's saying you need to enroll in a class for this. You can get this from the bookstore downstairs, and probably Makkah books, etc. online as well. 
So this is, yeah. but then if you want to pick up Sahih al-Bukhari and you say, no, I want to study that. This has hadith from Sahih al-Bukhari. This has hadith from Sahih Muslim. This has from Abu Dawud. This has from Tirmidhi, etc. But this does not have, this is, those are hadith which you can understand and appreciate. If you pick up Sahih al-Bukhari on your own and you start reading it, what's going to happen, my friends? It's going to confuse you. That's why I'm telling you, that, why? Because we have, you need the necessary background before you go study it. There, are, there were some, in some of the Muslim, uh, universities here, there are some students from a nearby missionary college who would go regularly in lunch hour and go and start asking, having, strike up conversations with Muslim, innocent Muslim students who are weak in their studies of ilm, have never studied Quran and Sunnah, and they have great degrees in university, but they never decided to even spend one semester studying Islam. So these missionary students who are going for training would actually be sent to our local Chicago universities and probably definitely are being sent till today as well. And would go and say, hey, hello, what's going on? What are you? And this, that, start up a conversation. And then say, I want to ask you something. Have you heard of Bukhari? And the person says, yeah, of course, yeah, I know. Have you have your study? No, I don't study, but I know there's something called Bukhari. It's a collection of hadith. Say, so, okay, can you explain to me something? And so they have it all, you know, printed out. And they show them my hadith. Like this is volume such and such, chapter such and such, and hadith number so and so. Can you go ahead and read this? And the guy reads it. It's one of the mushkil hadith. It's a hadith that requires a teacher to explain. And you read it and say, Can you explain that? Now instead of saying, simply saying, I don't know, I never went to a madrasa, seminary, Darul Ulum, never sat in a scholar's majlis once in my life. My parents, unfortunately, never gave that opportunity, or they did, but I never took it. So here I am, third year of college, but I've never studied a single hadith ever in the company of a teacher. The, that's what you should say But instead they'll say Oh wow hmm. I don't know about this man This is weird So you share his Bukhari? Says, yeah it's Bukhari of course That's what I said I'll show it to you Let's Google online Check it it's not, I'm not printing faking it Search it And it comes up Online Bukhari What do you say about that? I'm not sure man You're not sure? Are you still? And then he pull out another one What about this one? I got a second one for you And now he's already You know Already in a corner Because he's corner He doesn't have a response by the third one, he's done. He's already filled with such doubt. He says, okay, you know what? Why don't we meet up next week? We can further discuss this. Now, this guy is barely, barely praying salah, or even one a day. But after reading all this, he says, Islam is like this? Islam is like that? Really? Man, I can't believe it. I've been cheated all my life. Huh? I've been cheated too. No one told me about this stuff. If you searched, you studied, you would learn everything. But he never did. So now he's thinking that some, some huge agenda his parents and the local imam have of keeping him a jahil and ignorant while hiding all these things in Bukhari. Right? If you just came for the Monday night daras, you would know, but you never did. Or any other daras. So how are you, whose fault is that? So now he blamed the whole community, his parents and his teachers and imams and everyone about this of not knowing. And what's brewing, within one whole week, it brews more doubts within him. He says, go find answers, but he's not connected to ulama. He doesn't have a single phone number of a single scholar on his phone. Most of the masjids, he cannot find even someone who is knowledgeable leading salah. Some random person leading salah. So if he even asks him, he'll probably get a, an answer that makes no sense. So he probably does go ask. And he'll also get the same answer like, oh, I'm not sure brother, I'm not a scholar. I'm just leading salah because no one else is here. They don't, they, they're being cheap with hiring an imam. So they don't have a budget for that. So I just end up leading. Right? Pretty much what's going on in the country. So now he leads and he doesn't, he says, you're imam because you just led. No, I, yeah, I led, but that doesn't mean I know anything. You know what I'm saying? So he, 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 now he's khalas. He went once in a blue moon to the masjid for maghrib. Some random person led. He asked him. He doesn't know the answer. There you go. Nail in the coffin. That really solidifies his doubt in Islam. 
And so when next conversation he has with him, he says, yeah, what does he say? I went to the local masjid and spoke to the imam. He didn't know. Not knowing that in most of masajid in America, knowledgeable people don't lead salah. It's just some random person who happens to come there and they just push him to lead salah. Who's most of the time, his surah fatiha is not valid. Right? Much less would he know anything about how to answer a difficult hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari. This is the condition of America. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. This is it. You go anywhere, this is exactly what you see. Small town, big town, wherever you go. It's the same situation. You'll have to travel hundreds of miles to find in a masjid an imam who is actually knowledgeable, who spent proper years studying all of these things and who can give you a satisfactory answer. So he goes back and, and what happens? He's full of doubt and he says, well, see, that's why I'm here. I came, you know, Christ came to save you. You got to get yourself out of Islam. Something he would never think of entertaining. But now he's actually thinking that this makes sense. This is what is happening now, been happening from 2000, when I used to go to these universities, 2005, 6, 7. And I'm sure those, those colleges haven't closed down. So they continuously send their as missionary students to go and practice their missionary work before they send them out to Indonesia, before they send them out to Malaysia, before they send them out to the Middle East, you go practice here, right here in your local colleges. And many of you local college students probably have seen what I'm talking about exactly. Subhanallah. And so a person needs to know that you cannot flip open Sahih al-Bukhari and start reading at home is what I'm trying to say. That's all. Long story, but we ended up covering a lot of other important points. But it will lead you to confusion. Don't blame anyone besides yourself. If you read something that you're not supposed to read. As they say, age appropriate, well there's something called ilm appropriate. If you don't have an ilm, if you do not have the appropriate ilm for something, please don't read it. Because it's not like we're trying to hide something. You need to get, you'll get to it when you get to it, if you continue to study. Otherwise it will lead to confusion. Because each of these statements you're reading are have 10 muqaddimat, 10 introductory sciences that you need to be well versed with before you can understand the application or the meaning of this hadith. What is the big musibah of social media is that it's taken those hadiths by Islamophobes and by innocent foolish Muslims have taken those things which are supposed to be studied after 6-7 years and has put them on Twitter. So now people, average people are going through their Twitter feed or Facebook feed or whatever and they're coming across such hadiths that are being pushed by Islamophobes on YouTube and everywhere else. And they say, oh my God. What's, and they come to say, what's the answer for this? How can I, while drinking chai in the lobby, give an answer for something that requires years of study? But no, I need an answer right now, otherwise I'm going to leave Islam. But this is why I'm telling you it's super detrimental. Do not try to, don't go, don't seek ilm online, don't read Islamic, you know, don't listen to things online because otherwise it gets very confusing. Very confusing to you. Even the tafsir of the tarjum of the Quran, pick up, you have Ma'arif al Quran, you have tafsir ibn Kathir, you know, read something with a tarjama that has a little bit of explanation with it. If you try to start reading things on your own, again, you will be very confused. Alhamdulillah, if you're connected to this institution and the institutions that have ulama like this, then at least you can immediately go get help. But most places out there don't have anyone to help you when you need it most. And beloved friends, when that doubt comes in, it's like, it's like a heart attack. If you take care of that within 45 minutes, an hour, alhamdulillah, inshallah, maybe you'll get out of that. But if you're gonna go get your heart attack treated after two days, what's gonna happen? Right? So if people have doubt and they don't have resources to get treatment, then that doubt unfortunately may end up solidifying kufr inside their heart. And then it's game over. Yeah. That's why be careful what you ingest. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you pick up. 
and don't do so without always having a scholar available to you having you having his number saved in your phone book that you have connected with have communicated with in the past making sure it's a working phone number because it happens here to us i'm in the office being busy in a meeting someone comes knocking on the door the office staff says there's some you know person who he doesn't have an appointment but he really needs to meet you and these are the type of things we deal with on almost a regular basis every day of someone who just got infected and is run into the masjid. He saw a big masjid here and said, maybe there's someone here who can help me. Alhamdulillah, lucky those people come to the right place. But how many people don't have access to that? How many sons and daughters of the ummah don't have an institution that has knowledgeable people available for them at random hours of the day to be able to answer their questions? So, uh, study ilm officially, properly, become a student of knowledge. This is nice. But you know what? You don't, you're, no one's gonna. You, you, you come, you say, Alhamdulillah, there's so, every single week we see new faces. And every single week we lose faces. All the time. It's a revolving door. But this is not how you gain ilm. Ilm doesn't like that. Which of you went to college like this? You show up once in a semester, maybe three times in a semester. You ever did college like that? So this is, mashallah, dars, but people don't take it serious. If you wanna take it seriously, then a good way to do that is to sign up to a class where you are held accountable for your absences. Right? Where you're expected to be present and the teacher say, but why were you not here last week? Right? So that, that's the whole idea. I would highly, our, our semester is finishing now, next week. Then in January, the Tafim program will begin. The Saturday and Sunday classes for adults. Uh, one of the beautiful courses is Misunderstood Verses of the Quran. Fiqh of Marriage and Divorce. Six, new cl- six classes will be offered ev- as every semester. Saturdays and Sundays, 10 a.m. till 10. Uh, sorry, 10 till uh, 1. Online and on-site for males and females. It's been going on since, mashallah, nine years ago. We started in 2014, January. So it's going to be full nine years this January. Um, you, you all should be a part of that if you have not taken all 24 courses. And that's why there's then, alhamdulillah, you can say, I'm an official student of such and such scholar. And then it's, it just changes up the whole relationship. When you become an official registered student in a class, you're expected to be present, you also feel different. Instead of making this revolving door, it's like sometimes people, I'm, I'm speaking at a, you know, at an airport, you know, just giving mashallah, people coming, oh, let's sit down for a few minutes, listen, and then move on. That's how the tafsir becomes. People come and go, come and go, let's just stop by and check out the show today, and move on. So it's good, but in a long-term benefit is not in there, if, without istiqamah. Stead, steadfastness is super important for any one of us who want to gain something. So become a student of knowledge. Tell your sons, tell your daughters, tell your spouses, tell yourself. That whether a tafim program here which begins in a couple of weeks or any other program but become a student of knowledge khair going back to where we were here Allah Azza wa speaks about uh, we, we remember we spoke about Abdul Masood speaking to people until they are focused I was talking about classroom etiquette I was talking about classroom management and we was just talking about part of classroom management part of teaching is that you teach people what they can handle this is this um, a long tangent we went on. Allah Azza wa says, these disbelievers, they will, the eyes will be bulging and they'll be saying, Ya waylana, woe to us, qad kunna fi ghafla. This is important. Truly, we were heedless of this. I can't believe it. We missed this. We, the last thing on our mind was preparing for the day of judgment. Every single thing besides that we did. We worked hard for and we were great at. But we never prepared for the day of judgment. Bal kunna zalimin. We were actually great wrongdoers. We did zulm on ourselves. Because you know why? If you go outside in freezing cold, without socks, without shoes, you walk in barefoot when it's minus 10, what have you done? You've done dhulm on yourself. 
Who told you to do that? You have shoes and socks and everything at home. You left it all. He said, no, I want to take a walk today on the street. Just like this. And sooner, you know, in a few minutes, you, get, you suffer frostbite. And you're in big trouble. Who did what happened? You did zulm on yourself. There you go. Someone who goes to the hereafter without preparing is doing zulm on himself. The key thing here is the word ghafla. You remember the first verse of I just recited to you the first verse of Surah Anbiya. It's the same thing. The day of the day of reckoning has come close, but people are in ghafla. Beloved friends, ghafla is what you call texting and driving. Right? Meaning while you're driving, even one minute, oh not one minute, three seconds if your eyes are off the road. Not even three seconds, not even two seconds. They say 0.8 seconds. Less than a second if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your eyes are off the road. In that small, less than a second time frame, you can have a life-threatening accident. That's all it takes. It takes ghafla of less than a second. Of, and, and you miss it. You know, all of us drive and we see how it is. You almost have these near-death accidents. And sometimes, unfortunately, we witness actual death accidents that cause death. And what caused it? Not 10 minutes of neglect. It was less than a second. That's what you call ghafla. So when a person is leading his life and his eyes get off the maqsad and the purpose of his life, and he just looks here, right, left, and in that moment, shaitan can attack. And his life can, his deen can be out. What is ghafla? Ghafla can happen at a wedding. Ghafla can happen at a, at a party in high school. Ghafla can happen with friends in college. Ghafla can happen at a Saturday night get-together of, of young adults. Anywhere. And ghafla can happen when, this, when the World Cup is taking place as well. All these moments are filled with ghafla. Any moment where you're not thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially if it goes through extended period of times, is very dangerous. Because anything can happen and it'll be too late. Nothing can save you at that time. You have to be on your guard all the time. And it's like you're driving. You say, what do you mean? You're telling me I can't be looking down for a couple minutes? I get tired of looking up. And the answer is yes. You cannot look down even for one second. This is tiring, but that's how life is. You have to hold the steering wheel, look forward. And that's how the actual life is. You have to constantly be looking at the road, and you have to be always be aware of Allah's presence. And you cannot allow the distractions of the world to... Uh, to take our attention away from the goal in front of us, which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This past Friday, I was wondering, and Saturday, Juma, all the youth are on their phones. Saturday night too, when I was speaking somewhere else, everyone's on the phone. Look, what is going on? One person's huddled, everyone's around him. Before Juma, after Juma, probably during the first Juma for the second guys, and second Juma for the third guys. And it's what? Everyone's watching the World Cup. And so the level of uh, uh, craze that has created within the people, is something that is definitely not befitting a believer. To be happy over certain achievements of people is fine, natural. But to, be, to this level of, of happiness or joy and, or even sadness is not befitting a believer. Because at the end of the day, all of this is la'ib, la'ib, la'ib walaw. This is literally play and amusement. That's what it is. I remember when I was crossing over the border from Canada once, border security stopped me for questioning. He was trying to have a light moment with him. Just, you know, it was late at night, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever, the, you know. So the Super Bowl was going on. So I just struck up about this, the conversation about the Super Bowl. Sometimes, you know, the hikmah and wisdom is a lost item of a believer. Wherever he, gets from, wherever he gets it, he should grab it. So he's a non-Muslim. He looks at me and he's like, I don't care. 
He just looks at me. He says, that whoever wins is not paying for my job, not taking care of my needs. I'm sitting here working at 11 o'clock at night at the airport. How do I care who wins? That's, he shut me down. I'm like, wow. Out of all, I usually don't speak like this. The one time I spoke, this is the answer I'm getting. All right? So, okay. So, uh, but that's the reality of it. You know, the thing is, those people whose parents are in the hospital, and one of our colleagues' his father is in the hospital, we ask Allah to grant him complete shifa, and was, uh, may Allah to make his procedure, his heart surgery um, go well, and may Allah uh, remove any and all difficulties uh, from his father's uh, health. I mean, Rabbil Alameen. But do you seriously think those people who are sitting next to their ailing uh, parents in a hospital really care about anything that's happening? That person whose son or daughter is struggling to, to be alive and has gone through multiple multi-hour surgeries, do they really care about what's happening on TV? Are they really on their phones checking what's going on between the surgeons? As between one surgery and the other, let's quickly go check the stats. Brother, if you tell them, they, they'll just look at you blank. Like, what? What are you talking about? Get out of here. I have my parents here. I have my son here. My daughter here. You're talking about me. I don't, I don't have any eaten since morning. I haven't eaten since yesterday. And you're talking, about, you're talking about all this stuff. Exactly. If you really got something to worry about, you have no time for this. You don't. It might be just for the sake of knowing the news. But your mind will not be so attached that you will leave salah to watch that. You will leave a dars of Qur'an to go watch that. Or between classes you're watching that. That level of infatuation is for someone who's suffering a ghafla crisis. Heedlessness. He's lost his North Star. There's nowhere he's headed. So he's filling up his, his dull moments, his, his mediocre life with things of this sort. That is the reality. We don't care who's winning or losing. In our, our idea of a believer is that we cannot be in a ghafla. Brother, I may die tonight. Am I ready? Am I sitting there cheering of the loss of someone or the winning of someone? How does that help me in my grave? How does that help me in my grave? I know what I say. This, this tafsir is known to be, you know, uh, gloves off tafsir, right? So this is how we have to say. We say things which others are not willing to say many times. We ask Allah to allow us to always speak the truth and say that which is needed and may He save us from presenting anything that goes simply against our, uh, goes uh, in line with our desires may Allah save us from ever speaking things that are, are based on our desires but allow us to always speak what's based on Quran and Sunnah as explained to us by our own Amin Rabbil Alameen so the idea is this level of infatuation is something I was reading Mulan Hussein Ahmad Madani Rahimahumullah a, a, a student of his wrote a, mess, uh, wrote a letter to him say Shaykh one of my parents passed away I think so I think his parent or a child I forgot and he talked about how it, the grief he's going through. And so he responded back to him and said, Inna lahuna raji'un. He wrote a short letter. And he said, and he's something along the lines, Is darje ka gham na munasib hai? He says, this level of absolute sadness that has overtaken you is not befitting your status. Yeah, you lost someone, fine. But your ta'alluq is with Allah. You're gonna cry for a little bit. Nabi saw some cry too. Your heart is gonna ache. But the one who's lost in love with Allah and only thinks about Allah, he realizes from the get-go, we're travelers. We're all going. Yesterday he went, today someone else going, tomorrow I'm gone. That is how a Muslim thinks. He never allows himself to be attached to anything of this world. He said this is, he corrected him. He said this level of grief that has overtaken you is something that is not expected of a student of suluk, a student of knowledge, a student not of knowledge, a student of someone of spiritual growth. Who's ever on this spiritual journey should not be attached to the world to this degree or to even things of this world that he, he suffers this level of sadness. And let me point out here, sometimes people, people have lost their sons or daughters. Very tragic incidents. 
um, in a year, two years later, they're in depression. And, I, 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 and this, if you know someone like that, I've actually sold this to someone. Someone said this about their relative. I said, please bring them to the masjid. This is not deen. This is not the deen. One year later, two years later, a person is still in depression, locked up in the room, can't talk to anyone, cannot smile with anyone, cannot, cannot do anything. This, is, this type of uh, uh, you know, dilapidating uh, handicap is, 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 is not part of the deen. In the Ma'al Usri, you're supposed to think your perception on this is wrong. Right? The, the death of someone is, of course, going to create sadness. But then after that, a person should say, You know, they're waiting for me. Their mom, dad, whoever. I need to do good deeds that allow me to join them. This is what we learned from our, from our seerah in our sunnah of Rasulullah and the Sahaba. Why is that? That's because they, we don't have complete picture of deen. This is why this happens. Whether a person dies as a shaheed or whatever the case may be, there should never be such thing as a two year, three year, forever year grief. People's emotions are different. We understand that. But they, don't, they need the proper training of how to go through grief from a shari perspective, from a sunnah perspective. You think, you think Allah doesn't and Rasulullah didn't know that people are going to die? You're going to die and everyone's going to die. We did this in Surah Anbiya. We have not made a life of eternity for anyone. If it was, then it would have been you. But if you're going to die, then everyone else has to pass away. So we have a full fiqh of how to handle death and how to handle dying. Actually, believe it or not, looking at you, just remembered, I'm going to go into Orland Park after maybe a decade uh, speaking on the topic of death and preparing for death, inshallah, after Salat al-Isha this Friday night at Orland Park, if you know anyone out there in that region. So the, our deen teaches us all the fiqh of that. That's for sure. Connect people and they will give the answer. So I'm saying this craze that we see around uh, the World Cup is something which is not befitting a believer. In my opinion, forgive me if I'm saying something that is upsetting you, but this is what I have learned from my teachers and I don't see anything original. I share with you what my teachers have taught me. All right? That this is when the ummah is going through so much sadness. So what is the biggest sadness? Ghafla from deen. What, there could be no bigger sadness. The dying of, sh- of people becoming shaheed is sad. But inshallah, they're going straight to Jannah before the blood falls to the ground. Every image of a child being killed is heartbreaking. But inshallah, you and I have this perfect conviction that before that bullet even fully settled into that child's heart, his soul has already reached Jannah. What we are, what we are to, crying about is the thousands of young men and women of this country and beyond who every single day are living in sin, sleeping in sin, waking up in sin, and, and then leaving Islam. What's going to happen about that? And this is happening within our own homes, directly under our nose. But we can focus on that when we have time. Right now we're focused on, t- this is not just always a World Cup. Some of World Cup, then you have the NBA, then you have the finals there, then you have the playoffs there, then you have World Series, non-stop. The opium of the masses not, is not religion. Opium of masses is sports. So cricket, the craze of that. So now what happens? If Pakistan lost, Islam is gone? If Morocco wins, Islam is wins? Like seriously, what is that supposed to mean? How can we attach religion to sports? Then that means the losing of every Muslim team is a slap in the face of the Muslims. No, it's not. I tell people if I lose with you in a debate regarding Islam versus atheism, Islam versus Christianity, this has no effect on Islam. That has to simply means that you're better at mental gymnastics than I am. That's all it does. Proves. Nothing. Islam is a truth. And I'll tell you at the beginning of a debate, at the end of the debate, my win or victory or loss has nothing to do with Islam's haqqaniyyah. Islam is a truth. I may just be unprepared. I might not be knowledgeable. I might not have the philosophical background. I might not have the ability to uh, you know, do uh, mental gymnastics with you. That's fine. 
Khalas, my loss doesn't mean anything to Islam. How in the world do we equate this winning of Muslims with the victory of Islam? Because most of the time we're losing anyway. So, you know, the one time you win, and to, to equate this to Islam's victory is very dangerous. Because it just gives, if you say, Allah Akbar, this is great, this is all Islam victory, then, then 9 out of 10 times, everyone's gonna say, you know, the opposite of that, you know, the opposite of Allah Akbar. The down with Islam. There you go. We beat you in basketball. We beat you in football. We beat you in soccer. We beat you in golf. We beat you in everything. And the simple answer you and I can give is, you know what? We'll see who wins the game. The final match is to be held on the day of judgment. That's it. That's coming. Let's see how many goals you win there. That's it. I don't care if we don't make it to the NBA. It doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't mean anything to us. Because that's not what our life is about, man. We have so much, we have such a greater, important, bigger things in life to do. We're not opposing someone who plays. But we're not going to sit there and watch that and go crazy over it. And again, you have the Sira conference. We had, how many people are coming and listening to the Sira of the Prophet ﷺ? How many people are aware of the basic life of Rasulullah's, you know, wives, children, grandchildren? Unfortunately, you know, in thousands you might find one. But when it comes to stats, everyone's got that memorized. It's the heartbreaking reality of the Muslim Ummah. If we do not know about Rasulullah tell me who do we know? And then we're saying this is Muslim's victory. How is this Muslim's victory when the people who are celebrating are not practicing the deen? And many of the people who are praying, playing are not practicing deen. And the people who are watching are not practicing deen. How does it have to do with Islam then? How does that have to do with Islam? Where is Islam? If you had a'mal and afkar taking place, every single player is practicing deen, every single person is watching, Muslims also practice deen. Then you can say, subhanAllah, this is some sort of pseudo-religious thing. But that's not even there. This is a cultural thing. To be happy when your country wins, is that natural? That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. However, this level of, of solidarity to make this a sign of kufr and iman, beloved friends, is, is don't make this into what it's not. This is not a battle between Islam and kufr, please. A soccer game between two countries is not a battle between Islam and kufr. Let's not make it into something which it's not. All the other battlegrounds we've lost when it comes to all the new laws that are being passed. Today, we should all be crying. Look what law got passed if you checked. If you had time to check. Did you all check the news? Right? Go see what law got passed at a national level by our president here. Right? That's just happened under our nose. All these things. How many things, subhanAllah, are happening to change the whole what you call the word? I just, I just read an article. I mean, not that I didn't read the article. I read the title of the article for coming here. The word of the year. Word of the year? This, you don't have the word of the year. Every year they have. So the word of the year is woman. Now, I didn't read the article, but I know pretty much what they're going to say. Why it's woman? Right? Because they're de- redefining it. They're redefining what it means. Allahu Akbar. That's the problem we're dealing with. We're dealing with indoctrination from, little, from, from pre, uh, the preschool age across the country. That's real serious issues. The Muslim, our community brothers were, were asking every single day, go to the school board, they're having these meetings to try to bring this horrible material into our local schools. And subhanAllah, those one or two brothers from our community attended are so sad because they say there's not a single, like, there's a bunch of like, 90% of them are non-Muslim, or not 90%, 98% are non-Muslims who are saying we cannot allow this filth to come into our public schools. And we were supposed to be leading the moral battle. Who could have more a strong holding and a strong position on ethics values than you and I? Muslims, yani. We're nowhere to be seen because we don't have time. We're on sports or something else, arts and drama. 
So the real battle is over there. I heard a, 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 a one Christian, you know, op, um, grassroots level activist. She was giving a speech, and she said, "Powerful speech. This is like the speech we should be giving, and we should be listening and acting. That the, we don't care about the high level politics. We work at the grassroots, at the school district level. This is where things happen. So this is where we're trying to protect and preserve the identity of our little innocent kids. Allahu Akbar. That's the truth." Madrasa, Islamic school, public school, that's where it's all happening. That's the actual battleground where we're supposed to preserve our children's identity. But we will have time to focus on that when we cut away from us all the other distractions. And if we don't, then we're going to be up for a rude awakening as these kuffar will be on the Day of Judgment. Allah says, قَدْ كُنَّ فِي غَفْلَةٍ مِنْ هَذَا We were absolutely heedless. بَلْ كُنَّ ظَالِمِينَ Allah will tell them, Indeed it shall be said, وَإِنَّكُمْ you all." And all those idols that you are worshipping apart from Allah, Hasabu Jahannam, are the fuel of hellfire. Hasab, fuel. Now, the non Muslims, the mushrikun, they got an opportunity to attack. They said, um, they said that, oh, you all Christians worship Isa alayhi salam. Christians worship Isa alayhi salam. So that means Isa alayhi salam is going to. Uh, hellfire. Some others they worship the angels, so their means go into hellfire. So the answer is that wama ma is not waman. Wama <coughs> indeed you and what whatever you worship, not whoever you worship. Ma is used for uh, those things which don't are lifeless. Man is used for things that have life. Yani humans. Ma has been used, meaning those lifeless things, meaning stones, idols that are made out of stone, rock. Those that you worship besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are going to be the fuel of Jahannam. Allah Jalla Jalalu says in Surah Tahrim, Protect yourself and your family. From such a fire, such a fire, such a fire which the fuel is, anasu, human beings are the fuel of that fire. Can you imagine that? Look at this ayah. Protect yourself and your family from such a fire which the fuel, like how you throw firewood, there's no firewood, you're going to be human beings, human bodies are going to be uh, this fuel for this raging, massive, unbelievably hot fire. What hijara and massive boulders and stones. Similarly over here, Allah says you and your, and your, and your worshipped, uh, false, falsely worshipped idols will be in the fuel of hellfire. You will all definitely go down in it. Allah says, Had these idols been truly gods, they would never have gone down into it. What wurud is to go down. right? So they would never go down into this pit of Jahannam if they were truly gods. And guess what? Yet all of them shall abide therein forever. This is the craziest thing. It's that it's not, oh we had a bad day. We had a loss. One day, tomorrow will be better. No, sorry, there is no silver lining here. There is no such thing as a better day. There is no such thing as let's get up and hope we have a better day tomorrow. No. Allah says, Kullun fiya khalidun. Everyone shall retain, remain in there forever. As you have heard that the, the angel of death will be brought in the form of an animal. And a ram or a goat. And will be slaughtered in front of the people of Jannah and Jahannam. And the people of Jannah and Jahannam will be called to watch the show. 
And they will be excited. Like, what's happening? When they see this happening, the people of Jahannam will be were looking forward to leaving Jahannam. They were being excited. We're being called up to see something. The people of Jannah may be worried that, oh, oh we hope we're not going to get exiled out of this amazing Jannah. But they will be surprised. When that animal will be slaughtered, everyone will know what that is. It's a manifest, it is the a personification of death. And it says that if death was still around, then the people of Jannah would have died right then out of happiness. And if death was around, then the people of Jahannam would have died out of sadness and remorse. But it'll be told, خُلُودٌ لَا مَوْتَ فِيهَا Remain in there forever without any, a, any death. And this is, you know, people complain about how come someone goes to Jahannam, he, he disobeyed Allah for 60 years and he goes to Jahannam forever. But no one complains, how come a person obeyed Allah for 60 years and go to Jannah forever? Hey? Why don't we complain about that too? Let's, let's make an issue. We should not deserve to go to Jannah forever. We should deserve to go to Jannah only for 60 years. <laughs> because we only worshipped Allah for 60 years. So this is how the double standards we have. Allah made this place a dunya, this dunya darul amal. Whatever you do here, a person, he messes up. He messes up for 30 seconds and he commits three murders. Kills a police officer, whatever the case may be. What happens? He gets life sentence. Not one, ten life sentences sometimes. What is that supposed to be? But it only took 45 seconds to do what I did. How is that fair for me to be given multiple life sentences? That's how the dunya's just system, justice system works. You make a mistake and it changes your destiny forever. And you make the right decision, it also changes your destiny forever. So that is why the time we're here in this world, every second is so, so valuable, so important. We have to make sure that we are doing what we need to be doing in order to make sure that when we end up on the Day of Judgment, we are on the right side. Last week I started off the talk with tafsir with one, one sentence. I said this whole dunya, one of the wisdoms, if someone says, why is this whole system here in the first place? This whole dunya, the fact that we came here and this all this 70, 80 years of process of, of being born, being raised up by our parents and going from this school to that school to college to then, and then the graduate school and getting a job, getting married, raising the first kid, second kid, third kid, this one, that one, and eventually retiring, eventually passing away. What's all of this? To simply prove to ourselves and to prove, yeah, prove to ourselves why we deserved what we got in the day of judgment. To preserve, to prove to ourselves why we got what we got. You remember that? I said this last week? Right? So a person on the day of judgment should not say, Ya Allah, why am I going to hellfire? kitabak. Read your own book. You don't need any intervention. You don't need any help. You can be your own judge. So this is what we're doing. We're, every single day, we are literally proving by writing down our deeds, by our, for our angels, telling our angels, write this, write this, write this, write this, write this. So on the day of judgment, those book of deeds will be presented to us and it will be shown to us where we are, where we headed. So now you have today and tomorrow and the next. Every single person needs to be looking, how, what am I writing in my book of deeds? Is it hasanat that will be worthy of pushing me towards Jannah? And so I can say, Alhamdulillah, I have tasbih, I have sadaqah, I have salah, I have salm, I have all these amazing deeds that can now make me worthy of what? The mercy of Allah to get me into Jannah.
We don't say you get us worthy into Jannah. Nothing can get you into Jannah without the mercy of Allah. So we say, we've, we've done good deeds to make us worthy of the mercy of Allah to get us to paradise. لَهُمْ فِيهَا زَفِيرٌ Allah says, these disbelievers and their, those who they worshipped, they will be in hellfire, fiha. For them in, there shall be zafir. Zafir is a heavy sign. When a person is going through a lot of pain, right? What happens? He makes a noise. When you're going through pain, there's a there's a sign of, of a heavy sign that you that it, that you're, you that comes naturally out when a person is going through a lot of pain. But if the pain is so loud, oh sorry, the pain is so severe that the the sign is so heavy that it actually becomes like as though you are screaming. And then you're sighing so loud as though you're screaming that you cannot hear anyone else. That's what it means. The people of Jahannam will be in so much pain, sighing heavily, so heavily, so loudly, that they will not be able to hear anything. Allah says, these are the people Opposite side of this Are people who, who did not lead a life of ghafla Who are always in the state of dhikr How do we make sure we don't stay in ghafla? We do dhikr Regularly Keep a tasbih in your pocket Keep one tasbih in your car Keep one tasbih on your kitchen table Keep one tasbih by your sleep, you know, bed stand, nightstand yeah, it's so cheap. Buy as many tasbihs as you can. 10, 15, and keep them in different places. It's called mudhakkira. Because when you look at it, it reminds you to remember Allah. Mudhakkira, the reminder. Tasbih, it's like a reminder. Have it in your pocket all the time. As soon as you put your hand to take off your phone, you touch the tasbih. Like, oh, let me do, let me do some dhikr now. I'm waiting in line. Instead of pulling out my phone and just randomly reading the news, watching replays, huh? let me sit there and do dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when a person does daily dhikr it will keep him save him from a state of ghafla you have the istighfar card please take it on the way back on the way out brothers and sisters take the istighfar card and try your best to do 100 istighfar a day after every salah a total of 500 istighfar per day or 500 before you go to bed did any did any of you get those cards raise your hand if you got those cards last week Okay, istighfar cards? No? You got a few of you got it? Okay, we need to do a better job this week. Alright, so now you get it and fill it up and next week you come and put it back. Deposit it over here, outside, you know, in the box. Or you can go online on the QR code and put it on. And then give it to the kids and say every single week, inshallah, we'll have one card done. This is how we stay out of ghafla. The more dhikr we do, inshallah, the more we will not allow ourselves to remain detached from our purpose. That's just the power of dhikr. La ilaha illallah. The one who's saying Allah, Allah in his heart. How, how long can you be heedless? Because your tongue and your heart is saying Allah, 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 Allah. You can't be heedless that long. That is why Allah Jalla Jalla says in, in another place in the fourth juice regarding sin. Those people who commit an act of indecency, fahisha, lewdness, act of sin, major sin, or they look at haram, listen to haram, think of haram, or they oppress themselves in any other way by committing a sin. What did, these, what did the Muslim, muttaqi people do? Yani muttaqi people can actually also commit sin. That's what we understand here. God fearing people can also slip. 
God-fearing people can also commit an act of indecency, can, act, can commit an act of lewdness. It's possible. But the thing is, when it happens, ذَكَرُوا immediately they remember Allah. They stand up and they pack up and say, I'm going to do this again. I'm not going to allow one sin of mine to drag me down. Because that's what shaitan does. He shoots you and puts you into committing a sin and then gets you into depression and a vicious cycle to say, forget it. There's no point in me, in, in me trying to stay good because I've already messed up. Right? So Allah says, the people of taqwa, ذَكَرُوا they remember Allah. And then what happens after they remember Allah? Then they seek forgiveness from Allah. Who can seek forgive who can forgive you besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And they are not do not remain consistent and rather I should say they do not remain persistent on their actions. My beloved friends, a couple of great points you learn from this ayah here. One number one, people of taqwa and piety can also commit sin. So if someone committed a sin, don't think this guy is Jahannami. I thought he was pious. I can't believe he committed a sin. Brother, anyone can commit a sin. We're all human beings and all of us are sinners. That's part of who we are. So don't write off anyone if you hear or see them committing a sin. That's number one. Number two, if you flip and fall, slip and fall, don't tell yourself, I'm fasik, fajir, I'm horrible, I'm not even a Muslim probably. No! We're sinful, yes. And that's why it's... Yani, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying belittle sin. I'm just trying to say don't allow it to overwhelm you. Third thing is, how does sin happen? In ghafla. It's when we are sleeping. Our heart is sleeping, that's when we sin. And so, how do we wake up? Dhikr. But what type of dhikr? What type of dhikr did I just read? Huh? Istighfar. That's just what the Quran says. Istighfar. As soon as you do istighfar, you clean out. We're, being, we're passing out the istighfar cards right now. Right? So please take it. Wake up if you're falling asleep and pick it up. Right? No, mashallah, everyone's awake today. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, you know, yeah, anyway. So, uh, istighfar is what, istighfar is something which it cleanses the heart. It's just powerful. That's what make a habit of, you know, we teach our kids how to wash themselves, don't we? We're supposed to. Toilet paper and, and wudu. We also have to teach themselves, uh, teach them how to wash themselves spiritually. And you have to tell them, make a width of at least 500 stiff Because we know we're all sinning. It's polluted outside environment. Before, from school to, to, to home, you've already sinned. From masjid to home, already sinned. From home to the masjid, sinning. Everywhere sinned. That's what we're surrounded by because we're always surrounded by our phone. And surrounded by things like that. So now, how do we keep ourselves clean then? We have to do istighfar. A lot of it. That this is the zamana and the era of doing abundance istighfar and make it a habit at home every single day. Let's make this goal. Pick up this card. Each card is each box is equivalent to a hundred. A full card is equivalent to a thousand. Once you start doing it, you realize how quickly you can take care of this. So those people who do the dhikr of Allah will remain awake and alert, will not fall into ghafla, will not commit sin, and inshallah will die with iman. And then Allah says about them, as for those whom the promise of great goodness and paradise has already preceded from us, meaning Allah has already decided due to their actions that they are definitely going to get jannah al-husna, means great goodness. There is no such thing as great goodness in this dunya. There's always the fine print. There's always the fine print. The best amazing chocolate cake has the fine print that this is going to give you 1500 calories. It's going to give you 40 grams of carbs. Right? There's no such thing as I'm going to enjoy without having to pay. You're always going to have to pay. Either monetary, physically, emotional, something or another. They got you. 
But there's only one place where there's pure bliss and enjoyment and there is no fine print. And there's no harm at all. Pure bliss is only in Jannah. That's why it's called Al-Husna. Ultimate Husna. Because dunya has no Husna. Dunya cannot have, this, this place doesn't have the capacity to give you pure goodness. Did you hear what I said? This world does not have the capacity to give you pure goodness. Every goodness, people say, I got married, but she's like this. Yeah? He, I got married and he's like this. But you're, you are in dunya, you're not in Jannah. What's left in Jannah if you're gonna get everything over here? That the spouse has to be 100% exactly the way you dreamed of. Right? You are dreaming of Jannah, you're not dreaming of dunya. That's in Jannah, alhamdulillah. If you have a compl- complaint about a hur, then you can say money back guarantee. Ya Allah, what is this? Yeah, you can say that. Because that will never happen. Right? But, or, and if, if the, the husband in Jannah that you get, is something wrong with him, he doesn't, then khalas, you can say to Allah, complain. But this dunya is not. You're, not, you're gonna be able to get it over there if you don't complain over here. Right? This is part of the nature of, of, of who we are, where we are. There's no such thing as pure goodness. There's always gonna mix with something. Allah said, these are the people who are gonna be saved from the hellfire. Far removed from this great terror. Muba'adun. The pious people will be safe from this horrible thing. They will not hear, hear its hissing sound. Hasisaha. Hasis is, you know, when you throw firewood into the fire and you hear the crackling of the fire. Hasis is the crackling of Jahannam burning through the human flesh. And the jinn and the big boulders that are there. It's unbelievable. Allah says they won't have the tor- ter- they will not be terrorized by having to hear the hissing sound of Jahannam nor of the you know crackling sound of the fire. So if they cannot hear the crackling, then they're obviously not gonna feel the heat, and they're obviously not gonna be inside it. So by sharing, by saying they cannot hear the hissing sound, it means for sure they're gonna be so far away. If you can imagine how far away you can hear the hissing sound and the crackling sound of, of Jahannam. Right? Today is these forest fires. You can see them from thousands of miles away in heaven, in the sky. You can see, you can hear them also from you know, tens and tens of miles away. But imagine the fire of Jahannam, how far you can hear its, its sound. You know, may Allah protect us. So these people will not be able to hear it. وَهُمْ فِي مَشْتَهَتْ أَنفُسُهُمْ خَالِدُونَ And they shall be abide in all that their souls desire forevermore. Notice Khalidun has, been coming, has come here. Same thing for Jannah and Jahannam. Both places is Khalid, Khalid. You're going to stay there forever. A person is going to stay in Jannah also forever. Number two, ishtahat anfusuhum, whatever your soul desires. Beloved students, brothers, elders, mothers, and sisters, this place is not a place to follow our desires. This dunya is not. There's a place for that. You're going to say, but I want to do what I want to do. And you say, yes, you can do what you want to do, but not here. Just wait a little bit. As soon as you die, and you pass the exams of mashallah. You know our parent, parent, someone who's going through medical school, law, law exam, bar exam, medical exam. Oh, I want to go for this. Wait, listen, you just pass your MCAT, khalas. Then all the girls will be ready to marry you. Huh? <laughs> yeah? But until then, khalas, you are the most uneligible bachelor. Yeah? So, that's not what it's supposed to be, by the way. It's not supposed to be like that, but we have unfortunately made it like that. So, the idea is, you don't until that exam is not done. You say, "Bye, please just study, 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 study." Then after that you can enjoy. So we have to tell ourselves and our children, we cannot do what we want to do until we get to akhirah. Once we get there, but bus, I'm not gonna look at you. You're not gonna look at me. You're just gonna enjoy like no tomorrow, because there is no tomorrow. 
There really is no tomorrow. You're going to be there forever, inshaAllah. So who is going to get this? The one who doesn't do what Allah says, Have you seen the one who's made his desires, his deity, his God? Today, this whole system that you're seeing, this, this liberal, liberal agenda, what it, and of course, atheism and agnosticism, it boils down to one and one point, which is nafs parasti, following your desire. Because people do not want to take orders from the divine. They don't want to. They say, I don't listen to my mom and dad. Why should I listen to you? Man, the type of stuff is online, is content is horrible. How there's like a whole movement to try to make people disobedient to their mom and dad. Yeah? It's just crazy. Crazy the level of disrespect that social media is pro- 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 produces, promotes, you know, disrespect, disobedience. The more... Uh, dis- the more uh, uh, what you call disrespectful to you are to your parents, the more popularity you get. So we're we're living in that era where people say, "I'm not going to listen to my mom and dad. I'm going to slam the door in their face. I'm going to slam the phone shut." So you think these people want to listen to Allah? They don't want to listen to anything. They don't want to listen to any god of any sort because they want to follow their desires. This is the one sin we which will lead to everything. We have to take care of this. Just don't follow desire. And so, I, I shared this story with my students in the past. When we were in Madrasa studying, there was one, mashallah, you know students, the student body is amazing. You always find in a student body, someone who is just so inspiring, it's just amazing. You're like, wow, where do you find people like that? You find them in Madrasas. You find them in Darul Looms. That's where you find. Always, mashallah, you'll find this, these outstanding people. So there was one such outstanding person. He was a few years senior to me. And I remember we'd, we'd eat our lunch together. And we'd share a plate. Everyone shares a plate. Four people per plate. And most of the, many times we'd partner up together and eat. And he'd give me da'wah. Speak about the greatness of Allah while eating lunch. Every day. That was his thing. Always speaking about the greatness of Allah over lunch. So then one day after eating, it was a sticky food. You know some greasy sticky food? Always like, we like to have some, some drink or pop or some chocolate after eating that. So there was a madrasa tuck shop, the store, the general store. So we both went in and uh, uh, we went to go I, uh, grab a chocolate bar. I looked at him and said, hey, let me grab something for you. He looked at and he was thinking of which chocolate to get. And then he says, I'll meet you outside. I said, which one do you want? He said, no, I don't want anything. So I paid whatever, I got whatever I wanted and walked out. I said, you sure? What happened? What was that about? You went with me inside the store, you looked at everything, walked out. He said, yeah, I went in the store with you. I, I didn't want it. I was just following along with you. Then when I went in the store, I started looking at these things and a desire for these, for these things came into my heart. That, oh yeah, I wish I could have this. And all of a sudden I said, no, I cannot listen to you, oh my nafs. And I stepped out and I said, I, I will not cave into the desire. And I was like, subhanAllah. Right? That's, these are the people who've conquered their desires. A good example of that. They walk in, they want something. It's like, no, just because you said it, and your nafs, I'm not going to give it to you. That's where we're supposed to have an attitude. We all should have the worst attitude with our nafs. Now with people. You know people always just, uh, you have a bad hair day, you woke up at the wrong side of the bed, and you just, just argue with people. Argue every day. Stop arguing with your spouse. Argue with your nafs. Right? Stop arguing with your parents. Stop arguing with, uh, with your siblings. Stop arguing. Just argue with your nafs. Get into a, you, you, you have full permission from me to get into a fighting match. You can give it a black eye, blue eye, red eye, give it anything you want. You know, and students also, you're not going to get any detention, you're not going to get any expulsion, no assault, you know, uh, what you call charges against you. Fight and beat up your nafs. This is where we should all become a khabib. This is what it is. That's what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. 
the one who uh, the one who tackles someone to the ground is not the one who's strong indeed a strong person is the one who controls himself in during a fit of anger what what is that what happens when you're a fit of anger it's your nafs your nafs says take your hand and hit someone your nafs says just blurt it out say it and you say nope i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna raise my hand i'm not gonna raise my voice that's not easy but nabi sallallahu says that's the one who deserves the gold medal the trophy you know that you deserve the gold trophy if you can control your nafs when you're angry because that's in the hijan in nafs the nafs is just overwhelmed with Lust of lustful desires or anger. These things are what the nafs is good at. We have to pounce it down. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sharri nafsi. It's one of the du'as. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the sharr and the evil of my nafs. Because the nafs is one evil thing. May Allah grant you and I these, the willpower to put our foot down on our nafs. One, one, one brother, one shaykh, subhanAllah, he was giving advice some years ago to our students, and I always share this also powerful quote. He was sharing something which he heard from his teachers. And he would say that he heard from his elders that there's only one step uh, you know, to Jannah. He says, the first step is on your nafs, and the next step is into paradise. One step on your nafs, and the next foot in Jannah. Remember that. One foot on your nafs and the next step in Jannah. If we can all achieve and let's start asking Allah for this, to grant us all the ability to take that first step. May Allah give us the ability to take that first step. Then Alhamdulillah, we're set. We're set. Because the jar, the root cause of all the sin is following the nafs. You can, that's going to happen in Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, uh, I prepared for my servants which no eye has ever seen no, no ear has ever heard and no mind has ever uh, thought of and Allah says that you will get whatever your nafs desires and whatever your eyes will enjoy the scene of now some miskin people who have I don't know. They ask this question, what does it mean whatever? What if I desire some haram, which is haram now? Will I be able to get that in Jannah? Okay? And so the simple answer for that is that this desire for haram is coming from the evilness of the, of the nafs and the shaitanic influence. When you go to Jannah, the nafs will be purified. Why? Nafs al-ammara bisu is not even allowed to enter. That nafs which pushes you to sin is not even allowed to enter. Nafsul mutma'inna. That nafs which is purified and cleansed and content with Allah's decree is the one that's going to be coming. So that nafs that's clean, why will it desire anything haram? Similarly, Allah says, When we will allow people to enter Jannah, we will make sure their hearts are cleansed of all ill feelings. So no one's going to say, no one's going to say, I hate this person. He's a Muslim. I can't, how am I going to be in Jannah with him? No, you don't have to worry about that. Because when you get to Jannah, Alright? When you get to Jannah, you're not gonna have that that's anger and rage towards anyone you're thinking of right now. Allah will clean. Because what how can you enjoy paradise when you're angry? You just can't. When you're angry, you can't even enjoy life, much less Jannah. Right? So that's why just keep this in mind. If someone says, Can I desire anything? Yeah, you will desire whatever Allah wants you to desire, but the desire for haram will not even be there. Thus the greatest terror of all shall not grieve them. 
You know, when you have an earthquake, some people of the world face, some, some people of a certain state will feel it, and other people of, of that same state may not feel it. Those who are going through that horrible earthquake know what they went through. So, like right now, our country, in some parts of the country, are, are blanketed by, a, by snow, right? Huge snowstorms have taken over big swaths of the country. We don't feel anything, at least over here. So, uh, people might be going through difficulties, and you're sitting relaxed at home. Allah says, this is not some small snowstorm. This is Al-Faza'ul Akbar. Faza' means terror, that's bad enough. Al-Akbar, the ultimate greatest terror. That's, that's one word describing the Day of Judgment. That's what it is. It's terror, terror, and not just a small terror, the biggest terror. لا يحزنهم it will not, You will not be afraid, you will not be grieving because you're going to be enjoying yourself under the, <clears throat> the throne of Allah. وَتَتَلَقَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ And the angels will be receiving them in Jannah. And they'll be saying, هَذَا يَوْمُكُمْ This is your day. This is when you won the cup. This is it. You know? This is the day you've won the gold medal. You've won the cup. الَّذِي كُنْتُمْ تُوَعَدُونَ Which you have been promised. Beloved for brothers and sisters, every time you go through a difficult moment in your life, sad moment, remember this ayah. Someone cheated you, someone backstabbed you, someone hurt your feelings, someone stole money from you, someone uh, ruined your reputation, someone slandered you. And the list goes on. Ask yourself, in all this scenario, did I do something wrong? I know he did, I can go on till tomorrow of all the things he did to me or she did to me. But did I do something also wrong? And if the answer is no, alhamdulillah, legit, you tell me, I'll tell you what I did. Is there anything wrong? You say, no, mashallah, I didn't do anything wrong. Then remember this ayah. If you didn't do anything wrong, then no matter what you're going through, a day soon will be coming that you will have, the, you will have a walk in the park on the day of judgment. You'll have nothing to worry about. Angels are surrounding you, receiving you, and you'll be told that this is the day we kept on telling you to just wait for. And the day has finally arrived. The day is coming for all of us. Who? On the one, as long as you're on the right side of the fence. As long as you're on the right side of history, of your own life. This is the key thing. No matter what type of difficulty any of us are going through, just make sure we are not doing vulm on someone else. Because I know a lot of us have sad stories of oppression. Someone did this to me, someone did that to me. My mom is doing this to me, my dad is doing this to me, my son is doing to me, my daughter is doing this to me, my wife is doing this to me, my husband is doing to me. There's, everyone here has got a story. The question is, are you doing something wrong as well? And if you are, then you and I need to make tawbah immediately. And then once our conscience is clear, and we have this faith that we really are not doing anything wrong, then keep on remembering this ayah. That the day is coming, inshallah, where everything is going to be set. يَوْمَنَطْ وَالسَّمَاءِ On that day, we shall roll up the sky. As نَطَّوَى يَطْوِي is to roll up. كَطَيِّ السِّجِلِ الْكُتُبِ As the scribe rolls up the scrolls. You know someone is writing on the scroll, and then he rolls up, rolls it up into a small, thin, you know, t- uh, you know funnel. Like, uh, that is what's going to happen. Where the whole sky, the sama'un fatarat. Why the sama'un fatarat? Why is the sky, uh, you know, splitting? Uh, why is the shamsu kuwirat? Why is the sun coming to an end? Right? Why is all this happening? Why is the mountains sent into motion? Why are the oceans set on, set, set on fire? Why is the stars falling? Etc., etc. Because game over. The show is over. What happens? You can have the biggest show. As soon as the show is over, the lights are switched off. The crew comes and dismantles the whole thing. Yeah? The crew comes and dismantles everything. 
This is all a show. Allah says the day is coming on the day of judgment. When game over, I'm going to wrap things up and even the sky is going to get wrapped up. Allahu Akbar. The sky is going to get wrapped up. Everything is going to wrap up. It's all game over. The mountains, the oceans, the rivers, the caves, the wells, all animals, everything game over. Chalo bhai, chalo. Show is over. Wrap it all up. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that? Everything will be quickly wrapped over. Al-Kutub. Right? What will happen? Just like we created you in the first place, just like we originated you in the first creation, we'll once again bring it forth anew. All, every, we'll have a grand reset. A grand reset. Everything will be recreated for the Day of Judgment. Is this serious? Allah says, this is a promise. Allah doesn't need to make a promise. Why Allah needs to make a promise? Whatever He says is true. But He says, I'm going to promise it. Number two, He says, it's upon me. It's binding upon me. Number three, inna indeed, kunna fa'ileen, we are we, will, we are all able to do it. Look at how much emphasis there is. So much emphasis that the Day of Judgment is definitely coming. I promise you, it is binding upon me that I'm going to make this happen. The, the sky is going to roll up, everything's going to roll up. Okay, what about, where, what's the, what is the final page of the his, this book of the earth? What's the final page of the volumes on the history and the and the future of this entire, not earth, the whole creation. This is it. And very truly, we have written in Psalms after it has been inscribed in the revealed reminder. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying here? That Allah Jalla Jalaluhu has already written in the Zabur after it was previously written in the, in, in the reminder. What reminder is this? It could be Loh al Mahfuv. Dhikr could be referring to the preserved tablet. Or a dhikr could be referring to the Qur'an. Now the question is, wait, did Zabur come first or Qur'an come first? And the answer is obviously Zabur was sent down before the Qur'an. So how does it mean dhikr after the Qur'an? Well, here is not referring to chronological order. This is called, you know, based on the rutzbah and the status of these books. The Qur'an being the most honorable book of Allah, given to the most honorable prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this status, given to the most honorable ummah, Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions, that's why He mentions that first. That is mentioned in Loh al-Mahfud or mentioned in the Quran along with mentioning in Dawud al-Islam's book. What is that? That indeed the earth will be inherited by my pious servants. Okay, so it means that no matter how tough it may seem, how disappointing and disheartening the events of the world may seem, the final laugh will belong to the righteous believers. The final moment of uh, the final, the final victory. I said that's why I said, "What's on the last page?" The last page is the victory will be belong to the believers. Even after we talked about Yajuj Majuj leaving, and then what happened? The Muslims will descend, coming out of their caves or coming out of the mountains, and then there will be absolute prosperity, and they will enjoy. That's the last, possibly the last enjoyable moments. And then when the last person who says, "Allah, Allah," dies, game over. That's it. The whole show was shut down as soon as the last person who says La ilaha illallah dies. Can you imagine that? As soon as the last person says La ilaha illallah dies, the whole game is over. Because the whole reason this world was running because of him. So who is the inheritor? Who is the ultimate inheritor of this earth? It's the believers. Believers were the ones who have victory. Second thing is this could be referring to Jannah. That even this is all aridi. This is all uh, you know, fani. 
this is all going to come to an end. The baqi, the real everlasting world, is the world of the akhirah. And who's going to be enjoying, who's going to be the owner of that? That's going to be the righteous, pious servants. Indeed, there is now in this final admonition of the Quran an all-sufficing message for the people who are truly worship, who are truly worshipful. What a beautiful ayah here as well. And this is where we'll end today. Is that Subhanallah? Allah Jalla Jalal is saying any and all verses of the Quran. If you look at it, if someone wants to take hidayah, you will get hidayah from any of these verses. A Bedouin came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he said, "Ya Rasulullah." Can you please give me عِذْنِي Give me some advice وَأَوْجِزْ And be concise Give me advice and be concise Rasulullah said Okay, I'll recite two verses of 7 and 8 from Surah Zilzal فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَهُ Whoever does an iota of good deed shall see its reward Whoever does an iota of sin shall see its punishment So then the man told Rasulullah Thank you, enough Enough, that's all I needed to hear Rasulullah said Indeed this man has become a faqih He's become a jurist He's got the sense He's got it If someone can understand this verse That every single iota of good deed Every moment of my life Every blink of an eye Every single mummer by the, you know, the, from my mouth Every single moment the, Anything and everything I do is being recorded And I'll have to either be punished for it Or rewarded, nothing in the middle If you can think about this verse A hundred times a day how, what, what type of lifestyle are you going to have? Every single thing will be Well thought of Before you make that move So that one ayah is sufficient Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting for you in ambush Allah ghaat mein dizar mein That's ayah sufficient إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا Indeed Allah is all watchful over you إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٍ Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a witness of everything يَعْلَمُوا مَا تُوَسْوِسُوا بِهِ صُدُورُكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah knows what waswasa and what, whis- what, what type of whispers you, you have in your Chest, right? Is that the ayah? Huh? Ya'alum ma tuwasi to be nafsu. Right. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, says, Ya'alamu kha'inat al-ayun. Allah knows the treachery of the eye. Finish. If a person can just think about that. Alam ya'alam bi anna Allah yara. Does he not know that Allah is watching? Does he not know that Allah is watching? Any of these ayats, or for my say, all these ayats actually, subhanAllah, will be sufficient for a person's Give the guidance and hidayah. And this is where inshallah ta'ala will be ending today's dars. We, so we did not do one ayah. We covered many ayats and not in one minute. We covered mashallah over an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. There is sufficient lesson for my hidayah here. And so that's the thing. Like if my life doesn't improve by speaking and if our lives don't improve by listening, then there's something really wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with the Quran. There's nothing wrong with the, with the tafsir of the Quran. There's, our hearts have become very hard. One, one dars is sufficient for a person to have a life change. So let us truly beg Allah every single time we come here, that Ya Allah, let it be that I am actually changing. May Allah not make what we hear today uh, or any day a proof against us on the Day of Judgment. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, this text message service started. Did any of you receive a message reminder today for tafsir? Yeah. Yes? So if you don't, oh, good. So if you, didn't, if you are not, didn't receive it, that's because your number is not on. So I take a moment 
please, there's some new brothers here as well, new sisters here as well, and those maybe listening online, quickly scan the code here for a moment, inshallah, so you can get a, a reminder when you're maybe just not that motivated, that one reminder may, inshallah, get you into action, spring you into action. Yeah, so just take a picture of that. And then, um, okay, here, that was for, actually, hold on, what was that? That was for Slido. Oh yeah, so this was a slide, I'm sorry. This slide here is for the questions. So if you have any questions, you can just go to slido.com, 334-3704 is the, today's uh, the same code. And, or you can take a QR code and ask a question. Um, and then this is for the weekly reminders for the tafsir. On uh, your way out, uh, you know, we, there's chai, of course, and stuff like that, which I will do dhikr and dua before we finish. Um, just, this is for the weekly tafsir reminders. Two very big announcements, inshallah. We have our weekly, uh, our annual winter intensive beginning in about eight days, eight, nine days. So please mark your calendars. Next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Christmas weekend. It's a holiday for the whole country. Please, if you're online, if you are listening from whichever state or you're here, plan, try to join in person. Inshallah, we have parallel programs for ages eight to 10 and 11 to 13. This is amazing. You can come with the whole family. Ages 8 to 10 and 11 to 13. And then we have for the, obviously, the adults, the main courses, which is going to be on uh, immorality and preserving our identity. Uh, details are very, you know, all the details of the program are going to be online. Please just go to masjidds.org um, forward slash winner and inshallah you'll find all the details of our speakers uh, great mashallah we have scholars from some from out of a lot of out of state ulama are coming to speak so I request you to please come and benefit from these brand new courses that we're offering we've, we've always our winner intensives are absolutely new these are all brand new things so um, uh, different classes are going to be taught go online and you get the full details of the speakers the bios as well as what they're going to be speaking and the best thing is that it's also for kids so age-appropriate things for boys and girls. Additionally, mark your calendars for June, uh, January 28th. Uh, Insha'Allah, Saturday, January 28th. Uh, this is going to be our annual community banquet. And try your best, Insha'Allah, wa ta'ala, to, um, to join. Imam Zaid Shakir, Insha'Allah, will be joining us. Alhamdulillah, we're very honored that he'll be spending the day with us. So kindly purchase your tickets online or outside. Your brothers, you are the community. This is not too much. We're just asking you to just to take out your family, cost money. Anywhere you want to go out, it costs money. This is a way to sh- support the community and to become with your own family. Every one of us who is capable of spending $100 and $30 for the kids, put that down in your calendar. Alhamdulillah, we went to Shalimar for a lot of weddings and other things. Now how about we come for the Walima of Darussalam? Right? Inshallah, come through. So uh, mark your calendars and try to purchase your ticket today so it can help us plan accordingly. Uh, and so let's see if you have any questions coming in. Can you give an example of a tough hadith that would confuse someone who's not a student of knowledge? I'll give you something simple. I'm not going to give you the toughest ones because that will confuse you. So I'll just give you, I'll give you for example, a hadith, various hadith regarding salah. Right? Are we supposed to raise your hand in salah or not raise your hand before takbir, after takbir? All the difference, should we say ameen out loud or not? Simple as that. You say, but I see my imam does this. I saw my mom doing that, but I see something else. Yeah, exactly. There are all different hadith. You cannot, you cannot understand that without context. You have to understand all these differences of opinion within the scholars uh, from, the, from, from, the, from hundreds of years uh, after studying alam. Otherwise, you will think that there's only one way, and there is no only one way. Alhamdulillah, sister took shahada at the sister side after Salatul Isha. We will make dua 
through the barakah of her, of her taking Islam, that Allah, just like Allah has forgiven her for all her sins by her accepting Islam, congratulations to her and to her family. Uh, inshallah, Allah, we pray that Allah will also forgive us for being a part of this gathering. Inshallah, we ask Allah to grant her the strength to continue to grow, and we ask Allah SWT that Allah the community to also welcome her properly. For men to attend the masjid, uh, it is wajib at least, you know, between wajib and sunnah mu'akkada to perform our salah with jama'ah. However, fard, if, if your Islam depends on you coming to the masjid, then yes. And now we're living at a time where that's almost true. That if, you, if those people who don't come to the masjid, unfortunately, they pretty much end up losing their deen. They definitely lose their identity. So, um, Okay, sending our kids to public school, uh, is, should, we live in a, uh, should we live in a Muslim country? The Muslim country is not any safer, unfortunately, for in many cases. Right? Lots of horrible, at least here you're aware of what's happening, you're worried and you're trying to save your kids. Over there you think it's a Muslim country so everything's fine. And so you don't even care about trying to take care of them. So uh, ju- just by, being, by virtue of it being a Muslim country, does not, there's some benefits. You hear the adhan on the mic, etc. Alhamdulillah, here you do too. Right? So, uh, you know, but this, there's definitely some benefits. But let's not, let's not think that the solution to our problems is just by moving. Should we uh, cover open utensils before going to sleep? Yes. Do you cover fruits? No. If the, cover, if the fruits are not eaten, or I mean half eaten, half cut, you don't need to cover them. Any advice for being mindful of a speech when you're upset or angry? Best is that a person should just walk away from the place where they're getting angry. Drink water, read A'udhu Billahi Mishtar Rajeem, perform wudu. And if you're standing, sit down. If you're, sta- if you're sitting, lie down. Right? And just walk away from, the, from, from where the source of this anger is. Uh, uh, how can a person, you know, we're trying to have a child and what's, what's uh, the adhkar for that? I mean, istighfar. Doing a lot, abundant istighfar, inshallah, will be. Uh, a source as from straight from Surah Nuh. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Allah will give you wealth and Allah will give you sons. Mentioned in Surah Nuh. So do a lot of istighfar. Right? Thousands, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, as much istighfar you can do. And inshallah, miracles will happen. How, does, how do you con- continue studying in your, in, in, in your studies in madrasa if your spouse says that they're continuously having physical problems like headaches, etc.? I mean, if, look, if there's maybe they need a simple, they need to go check up their glasses. They might be, maybe the lighting is not good. Obvious things, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you, you've checked up the obvious things. Check up all the obvious things that, that would cause a person to have a headache. And if, if it's not, maybe it's because there's too much stress. Maybe they need to take a, a, what you call an easier class. You know, alhamdulillah, we don't have to go for all the advanced stuff, go bit, bit, uh, step by step, stair by stair, slowly, we, tadrijan, we move our way up. And inshallah, you know, make it as less stressed as possible. Uh, and then uh, I would, you know, uh, the seven sevens is my Tylenol that I always recommend everyone. So read those uh, for uh, a headache and things of that sort. Seven Surah Fatiha. Seven, uh, seven salawat, seven surah fatiha, seven ayatul kursi, seven quraish, seven quli al-kafirun, qul lahat, qul al-falaq, qul al-nas, and salawat. Do that three times a day. Sevens, drink it on the water, blow it on the water and drink it, and blow on your hand and wipe your body. Inshallah, inshallah, I'm very confident that that problem will go away if other, uh, other things have also been taken care of. Um, is it permissible to move to a city which doesn't have a masjid Islamic school? Uh, you know, if you're going to go establish a masjid, then that's fine. If not, then you need to be careful because it's, it's very hard right now to remain a Muslim if you don't have an environment. Is there a benefit to reading through hadith if you consult ulama with your doubts? Yeah, yes, you, like I gave the example of 
Riyadh Salihin and there are other books like that that you don't need to consult ulama they are not a hadith of ahkam they're not a hadith of injunctions they're a hadith of virtue so that's the book type of hadith that we should read doubts about tahara if a person is suffering from OCD along with any type of visits to the therapist and psychiatrist use the sevens it will inshallah get rid of this with Allah's fadl as well Uh, taking control of the nafs would it be control would it be considered ghafla if we enjoy luxuries and comfort it depends what's the condition of your heart when you're enjoying it while you're enjoying the luxury and the comfort you keep on saying ya allah a million times i don't deserve this alhamdulillah 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 you've given this to me without me deserving it ya allah if this is the dunya i hope you prepared something amazing for me in jannah just like you've given me this dunya without me deserving it i hope you give me a dunya that i don't deserve either Right, so if that's a condition, while you're doing that, you're doing shukr, and you're not neglecting your, your sunan, wajibat, faraid, then inshallah ta'ala, this is not ghafla. Um, is there a cold area in Jahannam? Yes, zamharir. And that's a type of, uh, a type of uh, punishment. It's called zamharir, mentioned in Surah Dahar. Uh, that is a punishment through cold. And that's, you know, we have one, uh, subhanAllah, cardiologist was telling me that, uh, that even in the cardiology field, they used to do these, um, I don't know the exact technical word he was saying, but they would use heat to get, kill off some nerves sometimes. And he said now they've switched to using, you know, extreme uh, cold, because that has been even more effective. So he was just thinking that subhanAllah, really cold can actually be more painful then, or more, you know, powerful than heat. Ayatul Karima, Ayatul Karima is, def, is a type of istighfar. Yes, La ilaha illa Subhanak inni kuntum min al-zalimin. In, can you please re-explain the portion of the ayah in al-arda yarithuha ibadiyya salihun? I was saying that towards the uh, it means that Allah will eventually give victory to the believers. Allah mentions this in Surah Nur. Allah has already made a promise to the believers and those who do good deeds that Allah will make them the Khalifa on earth. That has already happened. And it happens and it goes and happens and goes like that, back and forth. So this earth will be inherited by, by believers. But warif means the one who is the one who has the final, who inherits it lastly. So towards the very end of the world, the Muslims will be enjoying prosperity after Yajuj Majuj will end. Second thing is that this is the uh, Akhirah. That in the Akhirah, the believers will be the only ones who will be inheriting any and all luxuries. Well, the disbelievers will not have that. Uh, anbiya, the mistakes of the anbiya, this is called ishtihadi mistake. This is not something that is ever, they've never done. I mean, didn't we talk about Isma in this, in this, in this surah anbiya? I thought we talked about Isma. Or was that in surah Taha? Yes. I spoke about in surah Taha, like maybe the second, maybe the fourth, the last lesson of surah Taha. We spoke about it this in detail. Is it possible for anbiya to make mistakes? So please refer to, to that discussion over there. Um, their mistakes were, were immediately corrected and it was nothing that, had, that would create a confusion in revelation or wahi. And they definitely never committed a major or minor sin before prophethood or after prophethood. Mistakes in decision making, if it were ever made, immediately they were corrected. What are some ways to clean the heart of ostentation? Riya. Is to, um, one way to do that is to think, okay. One way to do that is to um, 
remind yourself that this deed, that if I do it for someone else, I'm never gonna get any pay, payment for it. It's like if you don't bill properly, what happens? You don't get check, you don't get paid for it, right? Imagine you do work for Johnson's and you take the invoice and give it to the Patels. How's that gonna work, right? Why would the Patels, they're not gonna pay for Johnson, the work you did at the Johnson's. So this, if we do shirk, if we, if we do an action for someone else, and then you expect Allah to give you for it, why will Allah give you anything? You're not going to give you anything for it. Instead, it will become a liability, a sin. So we should think about that. Why am I uh, trying to show off here? I'm not going to get anything for this. I should rather not do it. So then don't stop doing it. Just change your niyyah. And so that's why continuously we should for, like, tell ourselves, force ourselves, I am doing this for the sake of Allah. You know, sometimes verbalizing it helps. Because your heart is like, no, you're not. You say, no, I am. I am. That's when you get into that fight with your nafs to say, I know I am. I am doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take <coughs> inshallah. Great, a lot of great questions. I hope these were all beneficial. Should we make dua to be a shaheed? Yes, you can make dua to be shaheed. Allah minna saluka shahadatin fi sibili wa maitatin bi baladi habibik. Oh Allah, I ask you for a martyrdom in your path and I ask to be buried in the city of your Prophet. This is the dua of Umar radiallahu anhu. And what's amazing, thank you for asking this question. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man sallallahu shahadata bin sidqi qalbin ballaqahu allahu manazil shuhada wa in mata ala firashi. Whoever asks Allah for martyrdom with utmost sincerity, Allah will give him the reward of martyrdom even if he dies on his bed. What an amazing virtue. If you ask Allah for martyrdom out of sincerity, Allah will give you that regardless of how you die. Done. So this is a dua we should all be making. Ya Allah, grant me a martyrdom and then death in the city of the Prophet so we enjoy the intercession of the Day of Judgment. Wallahu bisawab. Inshallah, next Tuesday will be our final tafsir session of Surah Anbiya. Try our best. Those who like to do, some people need an excuse. First and last, then they show up. So okay, we'll give you an excuse next week to show up, right? And then they usually have some sandwiches too, so that's a double excuse. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام لك السلام وبارك على الجلال والاكرام اللهم الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اصلح لنا شاننا كله ولا تكلنا الى انفسنا طرفه عين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعز والعزة التي لا ترام ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا المتقين إماما ربنا آتينا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم إنا نسألك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم إنا نعوذك من علم لا ينفع ومن قلب لا يخشع ومن عين لا تدمع ومن نفس لا تشبع اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امننا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم اشف مرضانا مرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا مرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا مرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفهم شفاء كاملا دائما عاجلا مستمرا نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا مرضى المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم we ask you to accept whatever was shared and said and heard 
O Allah, do not allow these durus to become a proof against us on the day of judgment. O Allah, we beg you from Allah, from from allowing these. We beg you protection from having these durus. Ya Allah, not bring, not being translated into action and then becoming a proof against us on the day of judgment. O Allah, whatever we share and whatever we hear, make us amongst those who practice on it immediately and propagate it to others as well. O Allah, grant us ikhlas in our actions, grant us ikhlas in our teaching, grant us ikhlas in our learning. O Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to become the highest, to achieve the highest levels of sincerity and allow us to always be doubting our own sincerity. Allow us to always be doubting our motives while, make, uh, while making us at the same time, Ya Allah, the absolutely most sincere of people, Ya Allah. O Allah, choose us for your khidmah of deen. Choose us and our progeny and our children and our spouses and our parents for the khidmah of deen. O Allah, allow every one of us and our loved ones to lead a life that is in accordance to the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu O Allah, O Allah, change is never too late. O Allah, it's never too late for us to change. O Allah, make it easy for us to bring a change into our lives. O Allah, in the way we deal with one another, in our character, in our akhlaq, in our, in our, in, in our approach to life. O Allah, in our dealings, in our bond, and are selling in any and all aspects of our life allow us to lead a life that is consistent and constant with the sharia and the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi fill your heart, fill our hearts with your love the love of Rasulullah the love of the sahaba the love of the ulama the love of the quran the love of dhikr the love of everything you want us to love ya allah will turn our hearts away from everything that will cause a heedlessness to us turn our hearts away from everything that will cause heedlessness to us turn our hearts away from everything that causes heedlessness to us oh allah we definitely have spent a big portion of our life in heedlessness oh allah we repent to you sincerely from the from those hours days weeks months and years that we have spent in heedlessness oh allah Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, we beg you, we beg you to allow us to not even waste one moment in heedlessness. Oh Allah, allow us to always remain awake and alert and allow us to be cognizant of the day you, we have to meet you, Ya Allah. Allow us to prepare for our death before it's too late. Allow us to prepare for our death before it's arrival, Ya Allah. Allow us all to prepare for our death before it's arrival, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow our wealth and our health and our, and our faculties to all be used for the khidmah and the service of deen. Allow our children to be used for the service of deen. Oh Allah, grant us all the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all istiqamah in attending the masjid, attending istiqamah in attending any and all halaqat of ilm. Oh Allah, allow, uh, the, allow our upcoming winter intensive to become a means of, of, uh, of strengthening, the, strengthening the identity of thousands of Muslims across the globe. Oh Allah, let the faith and the nur of this winter intensive, Ya Allah, spread throughout all four corners of the world. Oh Allah, that hundreds and hundreds of people benefit from it in person and online. And Allah, allow, ya Allah, allow it to become a means of bringing happiness to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allow it to become the means of saving the iman and Islam of thousands of people. And in turn, saving the iman and the Islam of the, their thousands of children, ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever efforts any one of us are involved in, we ask you, ya Allah, to accept all those efforts and make it a means of sadaqah jariah for us, ya Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifuna wa salamun al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.